You're about to listen to a message from the Father's Church. The Father's Church is an assembly of believers committed to revealing the fatherhood of Almighty God to this generation through sound biblical teachings and corresponding moral conduct. This message will challenge, encourage, and propel you to fulfill your purpose and live that life that God originally designed for you as revealed in His Word. Be blessed as you listen. Welcome once again to Grace and Strength Conference. So like our team says, like a flint. But before I go into fully um, what small thing I have to share today, I like to say that it was taken from the book of Isaiah 50 verse 7. So prophet Isaiah was an interesting prophet. He actually witnessed about four kings while he was doing his ministry, particularly in the southern kingdom of Judah. And it was a time when there was idol worship, marginalization, oppression, sharp business practices. It was the order of the day, just like we have in Nigeria today. So that is why we know that um, this team is apt for this season. The world is suffering from decay. Nigeria is suffering from serious decay. And so to set our faces like a flint has become a necessity it's not a luxury it's a necessity so isaiah's message was for that time isaiah's message was also for the immediate future you know because isaiah prophesied about the captivity of the children of israel by um, the babylonians which happened like probably a hundred years after he prophesied it isaiah prophesied about jesus's coming 800 years after, and Isaiah has prophesied about a new heaven and a new earth. So if you have not believed the Bible for anything, you will believe that every word that God has given has come to pass. Please take God's word seriously. Isaiah has prophesied that there will be a new earth, and that is what we are waiting for. Everything he said before has come to pass. So the next one will come to pass, and will be part of the right part of it in Jesus' name. So, um, Judah was going through a time of rebellion. They didn't um, have respect for the word of God. They had no regard for God at all. Just like we are seeing in Nigeria today. A lot of um, our leaders, a lot of people have no regard for God. And so, um, when he was talking to the people, he went 800 years into the future and spoke about Jesus. You know, and he said, for the Lord God will help me. Therefore, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I will not be ashamed, you know, because of the assignment that Jesus was carrying. It was important for him to have a resolve, not to give up. And that is what we are all called to do today, you know. So, from this um, team, we can see three basic things there. He said, I have set my face like a flint and i know that i will not be ashamed clearly it is a decision it's a choice number two is a personal decision it is not we have set our faces like a flint it is i have set my face like a flint so it is not an everybody's thing everybody is coming to the father's church i will go to the no it has to be by revelation 
Then number three, it is a tough decision. Yes, the word flint is, is a rock. It's a sedimentary rock. Incidentally, I read geology in the university. And it's a sedimentary rock. It's made up primarily of quartz. Quartz is that mineral that when everything disintegrates, it stands. So um, flint means a hard thing. So it is a hard decision. It's a tough decision. When everybody is going one way and you choose not to go that way, it is really a tough decision. You know. So, like we said, it is a decision, it's a personal decision, and it is a tough decision. When we say it's a tough decision, we're not saying it's a tough decision because um, you cannot take the decision. It is a tough decision but because you have to determine to stick by the decision. Good. So, in a nutshell, to set your face like a flint, what is it? It means to be determined, to be resolute, to be unyielding in your purpose or resolve, regardless of difficulties or obstacles. It is to be steadfast or unwavering in your commitment to a particular course of action, even in the face of adversity. Let's uh, put Luke chapter 9, verse 62. Okay? This is Jesus doing exactly what was prophesied about him. Then He said, but Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Actually, I was going for um, Luke chapter 9, the same Luke chapter 9, verse 51 actually. Luke chapter 9, verse 51. Now it came to pass, when the time had come for him to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. That is Jesus, over 800 years later, doing what was prophesied about him, you know. So, it is clear that the word of God cannot be broken. So, I kept looking at, um, to set your face like a flint, to make this kind of determined position, to stand on this very strong opinion to stand for God. What does it entail? I mean, what do you need to do? And from what I was um, pondering and when I was praying about it, God had to tell me that um, we have to go to back to the basics. And incidentally, it was we are teaching in um, our Sunday school. I said you need to have number one a proper understanding of your identity. Let's open to the book of Genesis 1, 26 to 28. And this is the beginning of man. Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So that was how God created man. And so God created an identity for man. The identity was that the man should be like him. Can we get the, the Living Bible version of this, please? 127, actually. Okay. So God made man like his maker. Like God did God make man. Man and maid did he make them. So God stressed it that he wanted to make man exactly like him. Good. So God gave us that identity. So I kept looking at it. 
our identity is a function of many things. It could be where you come from. It could be whose child you are. It could be your country of origin. Many things define our identity. But there are two basic areas of identity I want to touch on. There is a part of our identity that is completely in God's hand. Or let's say your parents. God decided that he would make man. It was his decision. And then he gave everything that was supposed to be that of man. You know, it was his decision. He made man, gave him dominion. That was completely God's part. But there is another part that is completely in your hands. And that was what we're taking um, our Sunday school today. That part is completely your decision to respond to the identity that God has given to you. You must respond to the identity that God has given to you. So when God made Adam and said, Adam, I want you to be like me. Adam probably did not understand the weight of that identity. All I think Adam understood was the work that was part of the identity, which was going to name the animals, going to, you know, do a lot of other things. The first test of this identity was when the devil came to him. Let's open to Genesis 3. 3, verse 1. Now, the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, you know. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you should not eat of every tree of the garden? Let's go down. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden. Let's go down. But of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. Right. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Pastor has taught us many times here that... From verse 26, I mean, the first chapter we read, God made man like him. So, why was man waiting for validation from another person to know that he was made like God? That is a failure of identity. So, you see, it was an identity test that he failed. So, God was validating his identity and he asked, you know, and the devil was there. God, of course, God is omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. He knew what was happening. And he was looking to know if this man will stand. And like the book of um, Proverbs 24.10, can you give me the living Bible translation, please? He said, you are a poor specimen if you can't stand the pressure of adversity. It was a test of his, a validation of his identity that he failed. And at that moment, Adam became a poor specimen. Can you say that I am not a poor specimen? So God had to create another specimen. And that was the second Adam. And Jesus came on the scene. And when Jesus came on the scene, let's read um, the book of Luke chapter 3, verse um, 21. When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form, like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven, which said, You are my beloved son, in you I am well pleased. Right? So that was God giving him another identity, right? You are a son, just like all of us here. You have not given your life to Christ. 
please, don't live here without doing that. Because God wants to call you a son. So he called him a son. Let's go to chapter 4 and verse 1. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing. And afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. Three. And the devil said to him, again, that old same trick. If you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. Again, he was asking, if you are the son of God. The devil is always trying to play with our heads, to mess up our identity. God had told Jesus that you are my son in whom I am well pleased. And so he came, if you are the son of God, you know. And so, Jesus, I don't want to bore with um, the answers, we all know it. And everything that the devil was asking, Jesus kept answering and um, he didn't fail that validation of his identity. And if he had failed, probably we would have been looking for a third Adam. But thank God we are not looking for a third Adam. He came and he did what he was supposed to do. So it was important that um, Jesus understood his identity. Now, you would wonder, can we open to the book of um, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8? If you can give me message translation. Though he was God's son, he learned trusting obedience by what he suffered just as we do so in the process of his validation as a son he suffered and they didn't end it there they say just as we do so it means that we must set our faces like a flint just like jesus did through it if you read the book of isaiah when he was talking about it the verses before he talked about they are pulling his beard they were flogging him they spat at him and which was what happened on the cross right why because he had a purpose to fulfill so jesus answered his identity even though he was son and there's something very crucial about this the bible recorded that there was no sin in jesus right sin is disobedience why would the bible say that jesus learned obedience through the things he suffered it looks like what we people call oxymoron Abby. but this is it because for god to call you a son whether you are of no sin or not, you must fulfill the minimum requirement. And the minimum requirement is that your identity must be validated. So, God validated his identity. You know? So, we have a few stories of people that God validated their identities to. Let us quickly look at um, the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 1 verse 8. It says, But Daniel proposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which they drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the Enochs that he might not defile himself. So for people who are thinking that to defile yourself must only be through fornication, it is not only through fornication. Daniel and his Hebrew brothers were committed to a, a higher kingdom, like we are taught in Sunday school today. And they were living by the constitution of that kingdom and because of that they refused to defile themselves with the food food the food that they may likely pass out the following day but you see that is how little this validation comes it comes like that small small and you, you have to keep 
passing that test. And that is why wherever you are, in your place of work, in your school, these are the things that come to validate your identity. You cannot be in a place where people know you only because you have a Christian name. Her name is Mary. That's why we think she's a Christian. No. You have to show that by your behavior. And that is the response to this validation. That is how you know that you are a Christian. And that is how you can set your face like a flint. You must distinguish yourself. Mordecai did the same thing. Before we go to Esther, um, Daniel chapter 3, verse 16. We know the story, how they refused to bow to the golden image that the king, King Nebuchadnezzar made. This was their answer. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. Do you know what that sounds like? You know when a small boy wants to disrespect his, an old person, he says, with due respect. When you hear with due respect, you should know that the person wants to disrespect the, person, the older person. So they said, with due respect, we are not going to answer you. We have made up our mind. We are going to stay on this matter. We are not worshipping your idol. We are not worshipping your God. And that is where we are. There are many things that the devil is putting in our places and in front of us today. Ah, you say you serve God. Why have you been around for 10 years? No man has come to marry you. Uh, You don't have a job. And you say you serve God. You see? You do not have to answer them on this matter. Why? Because you know the kingdom you belong to. And in that kingdom, all the resources you need to make you complete is there. You are not complete in the things that the world offers. You are complete in him, in that kingdom. You know, um, in Nigeria, if we all remember our national pledge, it says, um, I pledge Nigeria, my country, to be faithful, loyal, and honest, to serve with all my strength, you know, uh, to uphold our honor and glory. I'm just... Now, the people that have been born in probably the last two decades, the challenge is that they will look at our leaders and say, how can I be faithful, loyal, and honest to this country when you are not faithful, loyal, and honest as a leader? It is hard. Yes, because when we look at what our leaders are doing, they are not faithful, loyal, and honest to this country. But the kingdom that we represent, the God that we serve, he is faithful. He's loyal and he's honest. And so it is very easy for us to reciprocate and stand. And that is why we must uphold his honor and his glory wherever we are. Yes. And that is how we set our faces like a flint. Mordecai was also exposed to the same thing. And he stood the test. Okay, let's quickly read um, Esther chapter 3, verse 1 to 3. After these things, King Ahasuerus promoted Haman, the son of Hamadiata also, the Agagites, and advanced him and set his seat above all the princes who were with him. Okay, go down. And the king's servants who were within the king's gate bowed and paid homage to Haman. For so the king had commanded concerning him. But Mordecai would not bow or pay homage. The next verse. Then the king's servants who were within the king's gate said to Mordecai, why do you transgress the king's command? Again, let's go on. Now, it happened when they spoke to him daily, he would not listen to them, that they 
told it to Haman to see whether Mordecai's words will stand. This is where I'm going to. For Mordecai had told them that he was a Jew. For Mordecai had told them that he belonged to another kingdom. That is the stand. Mordecai stood by the kingdom that he belonged to. Mordecai was serving. He was serving and he did not have... In fact, pastor was preaching last week. He said that before this time, there was um, an assassination attempt on the king. And Mordecai was able to foil it, right? That was service. But when it came to the matters that were going to flout his constitution or his, his ob- obedience to the higher kingdom, he did not bow. This same thing happened to my dad some time ago. The head of state then was a military head of state. And then the secretary to the federal government was from a particular town where my father was serving then. And this man, just like him, will come to the town and everybody will bow, you know. And he noticed that this man would not bow to him. He was really, really angry. He went back and reported to the DG, you know, that, that there is a man in that my town. He's serving in that my town. Yes, he's taking care of my security issues, but he's a proud man. He doesn't bow to me. And then, and then they said, okay, please, can you sack him? Take him off the, the job. And the DG said, no, 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 no. He's one of our finest men. They just transferred my dad from the town to another place. Barely a month or two after that, something happened. That head of state had a retired general who was his senior. And this man had been coming to see the head of state. The secretary to the federal government would not allow him to see the head of state. Until one day, the, one of the aides of the president saw the retired general. And the retired general was angry. This man would not allow me to see the head of state. And um, he took him to the head of state eventually. And then he said, you mean you've been coming to see me and this man will not allow me to see me? He told the aide, please announce his removal at the the network news this nine o'clock, please. And that was how the secretary to the federal government was removed from power. In fact, he learned about his removal on network news. Yes, that is what God does for you if you can stand and set your face like a flint, you know. Um, I'll quickly touch on um, something else that is very key. It is in line with your identity. Closely following your identity is your purpose. When God created man in one, Genesis chapter 1, 26, he did not just say, let us make man in our image, and then he left it. No. He gave them an assignment. God has given you an assignment. Each time God makes man, before you were even born, just like Jeremiah, he gave him an assignment. You have an assignment, and your assignment is closely tied to your identity. If you can validate your identity, you will find your purpose. And when when you find your purpose, you will set your face like a flint to accomplish it. You know? So, um, let's quickly read Jeremiah 1.5, just to buttress this point. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you, ordained you a prophet to the nations. And this is it. Immediately, I used Pastor Ikena Okeke as our example here. Immediately, he understood his identity in Christ. He began to pursue purpose. And when he pursued purpose, his purpose was an unpopular one to come and serve God. And I know that many people would have, ah, you are making money in the banking industry, in the financial service industry. Why would you dump all that? But he heard, your purpose is for you, an individual, just like I said, alone. The revelation of your purpose is to you alone. And so many people will fight it. In fact, people from your close, your family will tell you, no, 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 no. You are probably making the wrong decision. But he stood his ground 
and today we are drinking from the cup of his grace because he, he answered the call of purpose and that is why we are here today and let me tell you one thing about purpose your purpose the purpose that god has prepared for you if you refuse to answer it that purpose will still be fulfilled if pastor Iken Aokeke had not answered it probably one pastor Thomas something would have answered it and he would have been the one that we are serving today the glory and the reward for it wouldn't have gone to him so that's your purpose that you are that you know something is tugging on your heart about your purpose take a step and go for it and you don't allow anybody to stop you from taking a step something quickly I would also like to mention about um, setting your face like a flint is courage. You need to take courage. Courage is an antidote to fear. Let's quickly read Joshua chapter 1 verse 2. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all these people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Again, go down. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses, gone. He said, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Gone. Then he said, be strong and of good courage. For these people you shall, okay, and be of courage. For to these people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers. Again, let's go down. Only be strong and be courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. So God was talking, in fact, in that whole part, God mentioned strong, strength, and courage like three times, which is very important, you know. And how do you draw courage and strength? It is in the place of prayer and the word. You must deposit into your prayer bank and your word bank. You must read the word because the word is, contains your purpose and prayer is where you draw strength. And that is why when we call for prayer, we only see few people come for prayer. Why? Because we don't want to do the work. There is work involved in achieving your purpose, but God has helped you. If we read um, from the team, it says, for God has helped me. You know, can we go back to Isaiah chapter 50 verse 7, just so that we can understand that um, what I'm saying is not in the air. God is just talking. God has given you his help. Okay. He said, for the Lord will help me. That was the first thing he said. Therefore, I will not be disgraced. That is why you will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I will not be ashamed. For the Lord has helped you. Somebody needs to take courage to face their past. Like Moses. God met Moses at the, um, the towns of the Midians. And he told him to go back to Egypt. Yes, that was a past Moses was not ready to go back to. God told him, go back, face your past. Somebody needs to go back to their past. It may be an exam you have been running away from. It may be a particular thing, a forgiveness, an unforgiveness issue. Take courage and go back and face it. Another area of courage you need to take is, it may be a risk that you need to take, like Esther did. It was against the rule for Esther to go before the king but she she took courage why because she understood that it was part of her purpose to deliver the people of israel at that point so when you understand your purpose riding on your identity you will take courage you know and then courage to protect your purpose you must protect what god has given to you when 
a bear and a lion came to attack the sheep of David. From what I heard, they did not come to attack David. They came to attack the sheep. But because David knew that these things were kept in his hands, you know, he pursued after it and rescued them. And that was how from pursuing after lion and rescuing animals, he became somebody who was rescuing men, you know. So that is how you know that God's purposes, they are in phases and they are progressive. So you must understand that he started by rescuing animals. And before you know, he became a protector of men. And that was why he was one of the greatest warriors in the history of Israel, you know. So you must protect your purpose. And God, if God has given you that purpose, you know it. Face it. God is going to help you. God will help you to to do it. And then before I close, quickly, there are two things that um, uh, setting your face like a flint is not. One is what we know outrightly that we see from um, our brothers from the other side. They are so committed to worshipping their God, even though their master had told them that he does not even know where he will go after death. So they are just pursuing in ignorance. So that is not... And they have set their faces like a flint. Let's read Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 3. O Lord, are not your eyes on the truth? You have stricken them but they have not grieved. You have consumed them, but they have refused to receive correction. They have made their faces harder than rock. They have refused to return. So there are people like that, like King Ahab. When he was sick, God sent a prophet to him. You are sick. Am I not God? Am I not in Israel? Is there no prophet? Is there no God in Israel that you go to this place? Ahab refused, you know? And he set his face like a flint in refusal. That is one aspect of people, and we are trusting that. As God has given us the assignment of reconciling people to him. All these people that um, have I mean, a heart of stone right now, God will soften their heart by our prayer and by our continuous intercession for them in Jesus' name. Another thing that is not setting your face like a flint is religion. Can we open to the book of Galatians chapter 5 verse 1? Do you have the NIV version? It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be hardened again by a yoke of slavery. So some people have, out of religion, they have set their faces like a flint and they don't talk to anybody. You see, they have set their face like a flint. Nobody is greeting them. They don't answer. I mean, when people greet them, they don't answer. They just, they are like that because they don't want to be contaminated by people. That is not how to set your face like a flint. In closing, I'll give you this um, small um, story I heard. There was this woman that lived in a compound. And um, she was a fire, fire brand person. Every time she's praying, fire, 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 fire. That's all they knew her from. But if you greet her, she will not answer. She will not greet anybody. She was alone. And on this day, she was shouting, fire, fire, fire. And nobody, of course, answered. Until they saw smoke in her house. And then they went. He saw that it was real fire. And that was why they were able to rescue her. So, if you are standing alone thinking that um, fire, fire, fire is what will save you, that is not how to set your face like a flint. You must understand by revelation that where you come from, your identity, you must pursue your purpose because your purpose is tied to your identity. And you must take courage to follow your, your purpose. And be expectant because... God has helped us. Thank you, Father. 
Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for your help. You've been listening to a message from the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Barnex Squarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashinkari, Abuja. 9 a.m. on Sundays and 6 p.m. on Wednesdays. For telephone, 09-290-9000 or 703 You can find us online at www.thefatherschurchonline.org God bless you. Love just as you are.